Um, as you know, we're in the middle of a series. There's some of you that are here today, maybe have not seen the wall here and wondering what in the world's going on here with, with the wall and the bricks. That's to protect me from you, from throwing stuff at me. Um, no, what, what we're doing is we're in the middle of a series in Nehemiah. And for those of you that know who Nehemiah was, Nehemiah came to help restore the spiritual life of Jerusalem. And as you know, there was a period in, in, in Jerusalem's life where the walls were in destruction for over 141 years. And what God did through his judgment on Israel, he allowed foreign nations to come in and take them exile and take them back uh, to their nations and immerse them into their culture. And that was Nehemiah's predicament. He was a cupbearer to the king in Persia, and he heard the news that the walls of Jerusalem were still in destruction and the people there uh, were, were, were dismayed, they were discouraged. Uh, the, they, they did rebuild the temple, but it was just kind of a shadow of, of its former self. And there's just, there was discouragement. And so when Nehemiah got the word, um, the Lord just spoke to his heart to go back and to rebuild the walls. Now, I want you to realize that it was more than just rebuilding a wall. What Nehemiah came to do was to rebuild the spiritual lives of Israel. The wall represented the salvation of the Lord. The broken gates in Jerusalem represented coming into God's presence. Jerusalem is very significant when you look at the Bible and specifically biblical prophecy. We all understand that Jesus Christ is coming back one day. And where is he coming back to? He's Thank you. I knew Ruth would get it, so, so thank you, Ruth. She was a little slow, but she caught on. Um, coming back to Jerusalem, and he's going to come through a gate, isn't he? Amen. He's going to come through the eastern gate, and, and we're going to talk today about how the gates were restored and rebuilt. This is something very significant for the Lord because it wasn't for their namesake to make them look good about rebuilding walls. It was for the Lord's namesake that his name would be glorified, that nations would see that he and he alone is God, and he used this small nation of Israel to proclaim God's wonderful power and, and, and that his name and his name alone would be glorified. And so as you see up here, every week we've made a decision. Individually, we made a decision, a conscious choice to follow the Lord in some way in our life, to allow God to maybe restore something that we've allowed to become dilapidated in our own lives. And we've said, God, I want you to do something new and fresh in my life, and I'm going to make that choice to follow you. So up here represents about 800, so far, individual choices to allow God to do something great in your life. Give yourselves a hand. That, that's incredible. So that's what this wall represents. And so we fill this wall up so much that we're going onto the sidewalls here of, of God using us and making these decisions. And I said before, each individual choice not only affects you, but it affects your relationships, your marriage, and, 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 and it affects the community of God here within our church. So I believe when you make that individual choice to serve and follow the Lord, not only is your life going to change, but the life of the community of this church is going to change. How many of you want God to do something great in the community of living word? Amen. Amen. I want God to do something great. And it starts with us 
making a choice, saying, God, there are some things in my life that, that need restoring. And here's what I want, want you to see over the last couple of weeks we've been talking about. Very important. When, when things are in disorder in our life, when our relationships aren't correct, when our finances are out of order, when my spiritual life or my personal walk with the Lord is out of order, those things we cannot ignore because it's symptomatic of something deeper that's going on in our life. And I know about you, sometimes we want to ignore it and, and put it under the carpet, but how many know eventually it's going to show up in some manner, in some form? And so what happened in Israel is that with the destructions of the wall, it just caused the people to become spiritually discouraged. They were oppressed by the enemy around them. The walls were dilapidated. They were open to enemy attack. And just spiritually, they were down. It would be like walking into the sanctuary and seeing the paint peeling off the walls. There's dirt on the chairs. The chairs are ripped. The carpet isn't clean. You just kind of walk in, you go, you know, I know it's not about the sanctuary. It's about God's presence, but something's not right here. We've allowed things to go on too long and we've, we've neglected things too long and now it's become in disrepair. And so I want you to see the walls is not just physically the walls being rebuilt, but the walls represent something spiritual that's going on in Israel that God does not like. And God called Nehemiah to fix it, to lead these people back into a right relationship with him. So don't neglect the things in your life that are in disrepair because it's a deeper symptomatic thing of something spiritual going on in your life. Amen? Are, are we all there? So what I want to do is I, I want to I look at this a little bit deeper of how Nehemiah challenged the people to do something. How many of you know it's one thing to see something that's broken down and it's another thing to do something about it, right? How many of you see something that's dilapidated and you're like, oh, that thing's dilapidated, too bad, I don't know what we're going to... And then we just complain about it and complain about it and then we never do anything about it. Well, guess what? God wants you to see what's going on in your life, but he wants you to do something about it. When, when I talk to people, I counsel people, especially in broken relationships, I love how people want to give me all the details of the past. Pastor, let me start off. When I was four years old, oh, let's start out. I had a really mean kindergarten teacher, and that's where it started. And then I had all my sisters hand me down clothes. I never had new clothes myself. I had my sister's clothes. And we start and go on and on. And, and so finally, after three hours and 45 minutes, I'm like, okay, let, let's, I, I get that. But here's the question I want to ask you. What are you now proactively doing to change things? Because how many know we can talk about the past and we can look at all the things that aren't right and all the things that need to change, but how many know that God doesn't want you to stay there? He doesn't want you to gripe and complain about what happened. He says, listen, I want to do a new thing in your heart. Are you open to that? Or do you just want to, or you just, want to just, just, just allow yourself just to immerse yourself in the mire of, of your discontentment? Is, is that where God desires us to be? And so what I challenge couples or people that are, are, are uh, involved in bad relationships or whatever, I say, what are you doing proactively to make this different. Well, I never thought about that. Well, maybe that's your problem. 
You're not doing anything about it. You're just complaining. And so Nehemiah comes into his city and they're just not doing anything about it. The, the enemy has overrun them. The, they're, they're discouraged. The wall looks terrible. The gates are burned down. Uh, the, the temple's built, but there's really not any good sense of worship going on there. It's just a bad, bad scene. It's just discouragement. And so Nehemiah walks in and he understands this. And listen, you know, we can do the same thing in, in our lives. You see, God, what he desires to do in our heart is to live among his people and actually be the center of your lives. Not just a peripheral thing. He wants to actually be the center of your lives. And see, what happens is because the walls being in destruction represented the sin in the life of Israel. And that's what sin does. It breaks down our lives over time, little bit by little bit. We allow things into our lives, small choices we make until things begin to fall down around us. And this doesn't happen, happen instantaneously. It's slow over time. Sin is like a weed in a garden and, and not keeping up with the yard. Over time, things take over. It's like many of your basements, right? We'll just put it in the basement. Come on, I'm talking to some of you right now. I see some of you are like, <laughs> don't even come in. To my basement. We, it, we don't even know what's living down there or growing down there. We have no idea because we're just afraid to go down there, right? It's, it amazes me. I, I love that show. If you've ever seen the show American Pickers, just love that show. And the guys go around and, and, and these guys are junk dealers and they try to find, you know, he says, he calls it rusty gold. You know, he's, he's digging through weeds and grass. Oh, look at this rusted out bicycle. I'm like, are you serious? You're going to pay $1,500 for that thing? Oh, yeah, this bicycle was made in the 1910. Oh, you know, and they just love it. And so what's amazing, they go into people's barns. And there's just junk in there piled up. They're walking through it and, and trying to dig stuff out. And people don't even know what's in there. Over years, they just collected and collected and collected and collected. And they have barns after barns after barns. You see, over the, over the years, when we allow things to build up in our lives, it's going to come out in some way. And it's because we've neglected. And Satan wants nothing more than for you to neglect your life, your marriage, your children, whatever it is. Disobedience to God and his commands caused Israel to be disciplined by God and thus these four nations came and, and took over them and displaced them. So Nehemiah was doing so much more than just, I want you to see this, God is doing so much more than just rebuilding a wall or you putting a brick up on the wall. God wants to do so much more. It's something spiritual that God desires to do in your life. And so the rebuilding of the walls and the gates of Jerusalem, he was rebuilding what sin had destroyed. And so this is just not a physical issue. Ultimately, it was a spiritual one. L let me just, if you're taking notes, just write down some of these scriptures. You can look them up later. I'm going to read them to you because here's why I want you, this is a spiritual thing. It's spiritual what's going, not just physical because I think sometimes we get into our lives and we're just like, okay, uh, I'm going to fix this material thing or this, uh, uh, my, my, you know, my financial thing. I'll just fix it. I'll read a book. I'll go to a seminar and I'll fix it. Well, it may not be that simple. You know, my relationships, I'll just read a book. I'll, I'll, I'll watch Dr. Phil a couple times. I'll get it all worked out. Okay, listen, it's more than that. It may be something spiritual going in your life. And the, and the reason why the rebuilding of the wall was spiritual is because the Lord spoke to it as spiritual. And so let me give you a couple verses here real quick. Isaiah 60, 18. The prophet said, violence shall no more be heard in your land. 
devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Once again, walls represented God's salvation, the gates praise. Psalm 51, 18. Look with favor on Zion, where Jerusalem is built, the mountain. Help her rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Proverbs 25, 28 says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Isaiah, once again, 26, 1 and 2 says, In that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. For what reason? Listen to what, listen to what the prophet says. Our city is strong for this reason. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Open up the gates to all who are righteous. Allow the faithful to enter. So the rebuilding of these physical walls was actually the rebuilding of the broken spiritual lives of Israel. When you, when you allow God to rebuild your relationships, rebuild your marriage, rebuild your finances, what you're saying is, God, the reason why some of these things are broken down is because there's something spiritually wrong in my life. I, I need to reset my priorities. You are not my priority. The, the, these things I've allowed to, I've neglected these things because I've neglected ultimately you. Okay, just check and see if you guys are with me, okay? So ultimately, we understand. Ultimately, we understood that the walls were broken down because Israel neglected their God. Israel did not put God first. They were not following the commands of the Lord. And Nehemiah understood this. So what Nehemiah does, he comes. He prays and fasts for three to four months. Then he comes, travels months to get there, has supplies. He gets to Jerusalem. He spends three days serving at night the destruction. And he waits because he knows the enemy is there. He's very patient. He waits on the Lord and makes sure that, that God is in control of this situation. And then as we studied last week, Nehemiah says this to the discouraged people, those that were with him in Nehemiah 2.20. Says, he says, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. I know this seems hopeless. The walls are destroyed. The gates are burned down. I know this seems hopeless. The enemy is right there discouraging you. They have you under their thumb. I, I know this seems discouraged. But listen, God told me. God has called me. The God of heaven will give us, give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. We're going to stop wowing in the mire. We're going to stop complaining. We're going to stop saying, well, the gates aren't. We are going to start building. And so then he speaks to the enemies that are trying to discourage them. He says, but for you, those who are against us, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim to his to or, or historic rights to it. Meaning, you don't really care. You're not an owner. So I'm not even going to worry about you because God's going to be our defender. I'm not going to listen to the discouraging words of the enemy any longer. We're going to do something about it. We're going to be proactive. And so what I want to do is I want to look at Nehemiah chapter 3, and I'm not going to read the whole thing for the sake of time, but basically what Nehemiah chapter 3 is, Nehemiah organizes all the people that answered the call of God, and he showed them that this isn't going to be an individual effort. This is going to have to be a team effort. And so what Nehemiah does is 
He places families and priests at different parts of the broken down wall, different gates. And at that point, they were to rebuild their section of that wall. Some scholars say the wall could be a mile and a half and two miles around. Huge undertaking. They did it in 52 days. It was a miracle. It was just a miracle of God that God organized all these people to do it so quickly. And so Nehemiah organized them. And I just want to read the first couple chapters just to give you the idea of what was going on here. And, and, and basically what I want you to see as, a, as the church this morning is that this wasn't an individual effort. This was a team effort. And as we discussed last week, it's, it's easy to have a critical spirit. It's easy to allow the critics to, to, to just get you down and, and criticism to envelop the church in your own personal life that you're no good and you never do anything right, blah, 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 blah. Um, Nehemiah got people to, over, to overcome that and not listen to their critics. Well, what I want you to see today is one of the things that we fight so desperately in America today is just individualism. It's really all about, isn't it about us? It really is. If you live in America, it's about me. Have it your way. What do you want? Blah, blah, blah. And we're just very intrinsically just selfish. We just are. It's really about us. It's amazing. I wish all of you, I could take all of you on a missions trip with me because it's so different in so many different cultures, especially Central America. When you go to somebody's house, it's so interesting just about the culture there. When someone comes into a house, they'll stop everything they're doing and make sure that they greet everybody that comes into your house. Somebody comes into a room or a church, people are greeting one another. It's, it's, it's not this individual, it's all about me, 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 me. It's really about uh, somebody else and serving other people. And what Nehemiah got this group of people to do is stop complaining about their own lives and their own desperation and all the problems they're having. And he got them to see something bigger than themselves. That working on the wall was actually restoring God's presence within Israel. And so what the people noticed was as they began to work on the wall together, they saw with their very eyes what God could do through a people who obey God who listen to his word. People, there is so much potential in this one room, it's not even funny. We are oozing with potential. Do you realize that? That God has gifted you with certain abilities to use for the kingdom of God to help restore and rebuild and, and build up his kingdom? That when, when, a, when a church is motivated, look, I, I just love Corey Bacher. Just saying, you know what? I want God to help me to raise $1,000 for Speed Delight. Now, for a teenager, that may seem huge. And think about a teenager. I could use that money for myself to buy another game for my Xbox or whatever. But God called me to do something greater than in myself. Praise God for that. We should be rejoicing. as we, Every single one of you need to be calling Corey Bacher so he's just dead after this whole thing from working so hard, right? I mean, thank God for that. that. That's wonderful. So let's look at a couple things here. Just, I want you to see here, if you've got your Bibles, just turn to, we're going to look at just a couple, cha a couple verses here in, in chapter 3 because I don't want to exhaust this because it's a long chapter. You can read it later. But, but look at what Nehemiah did. It says, Then Elisharib, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate. So here they are at different gates. They dedicated it. They set, they set up its doors, uh, building the wall as far as, as the Tower of the Hundred. So here we go. They're rebuilding the gates. And then they dedicated that. Then there was another tower, Hananel, that they rebuilt. 
And the people from the town of Jericho, there's another group, worked next to them. So you see that these people are working together. Then beyond them was, was Zachor, son of Imri. And then there was another gate, the fish gate. Uh, and verse 3 was uh, uh, built by the sons of Hassaniah. And then it, it went from there. They laid its beams and they set up its doors and they installed its bolts and its bars. And you can, if you go through the whole chapter 3, you can see family after family stationed at a gate. Everybody had their part to do and they began to rebuild. Here's what I want to dig into today. What made the rebuilding of the wall so successful? Why were they able to do something that was way beyond what they could ever do? Here, here's how crazy I think sometimes. When people ask me how big this church is, I say it's about 10,000 people. And they think I'm not. 10,000 people? What do you? I said, that's how many people live within about a two-mile radius of this church. And, and, and I feel like I pastor this whole town. So until we reach 10,000 people, we're not there yet, right? So I believe that God can use living word to touch this whole community with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That, that I, I believe that. Now, do you believe that? Okay, six of you. Okay, that's okay. Cool. We'll start with that, all right? Now, if we, we've got to believe that God can touch our community, that God is big. We, we may say, well, we're competing with so many things and sports and stuff. We, you know, we can complain about it. But then what are we doing proactively to reach our community with the message of Jesus Christ? And we've got to realize that it's not about me ultimately, that it's about God's glory and reaching another soul for Jesus Christ. So what made the, this rebuild the wall so, so successful? Write this down in your notes. What they did first was is they answered the call of God. They answered the call of God. God moved in their hearts. It was a supernatural thing that God did. Listen, I can speak to you till I'm blue in the face about asking God to motivate you to do things in your life, but unless God calls you, it's going to be just a mute point. God has to ultimately do the work in your heart. How many know that if God's not doing the work in your heart, you're going to burn out? So if you're burned out in ministry or doing things for the Lord, it's not the call of God in your heart because what you've done is you're doing it in your own strength. And once you do it in your own strength, you're going to burn right out. So it was ultimately a supernatural call of God that was laid on Nehemiah's heart, that he spoke into the hearts of the Israelites, and they said, okay, we're going to do it. Let's do it. And they began to build. So God moved in their hearts. I, I love this passage in Ephesians 2.10. And here's what the Apostle Paul says to the church in Ephesus. He says, for we are God's, what? Workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God has saved you for a reason. Your works don't save you. It's your faith through God's grace that, that gives you your salvation today. But you know, you're created in Christ Jesus to actually do good things for him. To say, God, how do you want to use me in my life? Please let me see myself beyond myself. And see, what happens is because we live in America, we're a very consumer-driven society waiting for the next and best thing to come up. And in the church, that, that consumerism can just slide its way into the church. And the church in America can become a consumer church. What is the church doing for me? We don't see, God, how do you want to use me to build your church? It's more, was the worship good today? 
And by the way, the worship was just smoking this morning. I'm sorry. It was just good, okay? Um, uh, you know, we, we can sit there and say, well, the worship was, worship was a little loud. The worship was, you know, not my style. Or, you know, the pastor's preaching was okay. Or the seats weren't real comfortable. Or, you know, it was too warm in the church. It was too cold in the church. Not enough people greeted me when I walked in the door. You know, we can go on, can't we? Right? And so we're consumed. What, what's the church doing for me? Is it, is, it, is it my preference? Is it my taste? Now, we really, we need, if, if we're part of the body of Jesus Christ, we need to be asking ourselves really the question, God, what are you doing in my heart to help build your kingdom? How are you using me? And if we're not careful, we can get real selfish and just sit back and be consumers and take in and take in and never give out. And so what Nehemiah did with this group of people is they answered the call, but he says, okay, you answered the call? Now it's time to work. Now we're going to work. You see, I believe God blesses the hands of our work when they're done for the Lord. And so when we work for the Lord... It's not to gain his salvation. It's to say, God, I want to build your kingdom for your glory and for your sake. And so they answered the call because we are God's workmanship, creating Christ Jesus, to do good works. That's our purpose. God, help me to build your kingdom. Use my life. If that means that a teenager rakes a yard to help build God's kingdom through speed the light, God bless them. Amen. So what are we doing to help build God's kingdom? They answered God's call. Number two, write this down. Now they needed this first supernatural move of God in their heart. But the second thing is they had a sense of ownership. This is vital within the body of Christ. What they did was, as the scriptures tell us, they worked close to their homes. That's interesting. Because I believe the reason why they were close to their homes because it made it personal. And when, when you understand, when you do something on your home and you're an owner of a home, you want to take care of it, don't you, if you're a good homeowner? That's why there was like a zillion people at Lowe's yesterday. Pastor Mike was telling me, there was like a line of people just getting mulch. It was just like mulch haven there, right? Because we want to spruce up our homes. It's springtime. Everyone wants to get outside. We want to take ownership. We want our houses to look nice, right? There's, there's a sense of ownership there. You want to take care of it. Now, for them, they took pride in it, not a false pride, not a sinful pride, but I want you to know something. When you own it, you take care of it, or you're supposed to, right? When you own it, you take care of it, and when you don't own it, you necessarily don't take care of it, right? It's like renting a car or going to a hotel room, right? See, you're not going to take as much care of it because you're not the owner of it. If, if, if I feel that this is my church, I will do all I can to build it up. You, write this down, okay? Whatever you invest in, you automatically take ownership of it. Whatever you invest in, you automatically take ownership, okay? Those of you that if you're in the stock market, okay, you've got invested interest in that company that you've invested in. You want to know how they're doing, don't you? If that stock is tanking, you're going to say, you know what? 
I may not want to be part of this company because I'm an owner of this and I'm losing money because you've invested in that thing. Uh, here's the thing. When I go on missions trips, been to almost every country in Central America, anytime I hear something on the news about Guatemala or Costa Rica or Panama or, or, or Belize or Mexico, my, my, uh, my tension goes up because I'm like, oh, I've been in those countries. What's going on there? I, I, I've invested my time. We've built schools there. We've built churches there. Um, I, I'm invested in there. It, it, it's personal to me. When you invest your time, talent, and treasure to something, you will care about it. If you invest in something that you care about, then you're going to want to see it completed. You, you want something good to happen in there. Listen, if, if you feel that this church is your church, if you walk into church and there's a piece of paper on the ground and you don't pick it up, guess what? It reflects your ownership. How many of you parents try to instill that into your kids? Oh my gosh, I've got two teenagers and an 11-year-old girl. Lord help me, I'm going to stretch out a little bit here because they, they just don't get it sometimes, do they? They just, you constantly try to teach them, listen, this thing costs money. Dummy? No. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it, it's, you got to take care of things. Take care of your room. Pick up. You want to give them a sense of pride, ownership of, 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 of doing things. So it's funny. I, I, you know, I've got a riding lawnmower, but I, I let Colby push the lawnmower once in a while because I've got to push one. And it's not self-propelled. It, it's, it's, it's old school lawnmower. I'm telling you, like 20 years old. It's old school, two cycle. Love it, man. And it's only got like 10 inch wide thing on it. <laughs> And my yard's about a half acre. And, and I goes, oh, let's get out the riding lawnmower, Dad. You got that brand new ride. No, that's for me, bro. That's for the old man with the bad back. That's for me. Backyard's a little too wet, so you got to push. I just, because you want to instill in your kids a sense of work when it's completed. You spend an hour and a half mowing. Don't you feel good now? You know, when he gets down, I go, don't you feel good? You sweated. You got a little sunburn. The yard looks okay. No, the yard looks good. You didn't miss too many you know, there's some grass that's like, here, no, you did okay, all right? You did good. Don't you feel good? Yeah, I guess. You know, you, you want to give them that sense of pride, of doing something, doing work. You take pride in what you're doing. And so this is what Nehemiah was instilling into the people of Jerusalem. They used their talents, their gifts. The, the priest worked on the sheep gate. If you read through uh, chapter 3, this is where the sheep would be brought in for the purpose of the sacrifice and the worship of the temple. Very important gate. That This is really important. So they took ownership in that because they were the priests and they knew this would be the sacrifice. Uh, there, there was the, the fish gate we read there uh, in verse 3. That's the one I would have worked on, the fish gate, literally where they brought the fish in. Um, now, there's actually one that I don't know too many people signed up to work on this one, but there's actually a, a dung gate. It, it's, and it's exactly what you think it was. It, it's, it's where the garbage and the refuge would be, would be taken out. But there's people that had to work on the, the dung gate, right? That probably wasn't the most wonderful place to work in. It probably smelled. But listen, sometimes God wants us to take the not-so-glorious jobs, Right? Willing to get our hands dirty. Yeah, everybody would love to have been on the eastern gate because that's where the Messiah is going to come through. That's the exciting gate. I want to work on the eastern gate. I don't want to work on the dung gate. What's up with the dung gate? 
Who wants to work there? But guess what? God uses all these to glorify him. And, and I can remember one time in South Carolina, we were cleaning out the church, kind of what we were doing it in a couple of weeks. And uh, I was the only one that could drive a, a stick shift of the men that were there. I'm like, where did you guys learn how to drive? Do you guys know how to drive? I think they're all lying because, because I had to drive the truck to the dump. So it was when I first started on staff there, and I think all the guys were like, we'll, we'll make Barden drive the dump truck to the dump. And here's what I didn't realize. In summer, and you live down south, it was about 95 degrees, 100% humidity. It was just a real hot day. And the dumps there, you drove the truck right in the middle of the dump. So I'm driving through, running over seagulls, and we get in there. This, I'm just not, I'm not lying. I almost threw up. It, the smell was such a stench in the middle. It was so hot. Everything was just baking. It was just, it was hell. That's what hell's like. I said, I don't want to go there. If this is what I don't want to be. It was just terrible. And we did it. And so I came back and the guys are snickering and they left. So I knew other guys. I had to do it like five times that day. Nobody else wanted to do that job, but somebody had to do that job, right? To get the garbage out of the church. And, and we, once again, it was free to, to dump it. No one wants that job, but guess what? Somebody needs to do it. Here's the, here's the question. Somebody did it. Somebody said, God, use me. I don't care where it is, just use me. So the question I have to ask you, are you, are you willing to plunge the toilets if needed? Maybe change a, a dirty diaper in the nursery? Huh? That's the dung gate of our church. Right? <laughs> Literally. Right? Someone has to do it, and God bless the people that do it. Amen. Let's give our nursery workers a round of applause. Because you know what? When y'all get to heaven, you're going to, if you've never worked in nursery, you'll be working in nursery at heaven. So just be ready. So if you don't do it now, you're going to be doing it later. So thank God for our nursery workers, for Aaron Gentry, who does a great job leading our nursery work. God bless them. You know, a lot of those people, they miss the morning service to watch your children. God bless them. It's not the most glorious job in the world, but guess what? They're doing it and they're serving and they're volunteering, and the Lord's using them to minister to our children. So here's the last thing. So not only did they hear the call of God, they took ownership in what they were doing, but also they finished together. It was a team effort. Everyone in the family of God is vital. And I want you to notice what the New Testament says about this. You can write these passages down. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Many parts make up the whole body. Every one is important. Paul goes on to say in that same chapter in verses 18 and 19, but in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? Not everybody can be the fingers, not everybody can be the foot, not everybody can be the hand. Every part plays an important part in making up the whole body. So the question you have to ask yourself is, what part of the wall are you working on? And let me just tell you where we need help and where you can allow yourself to be used. Some of you, you're saying, yeah, I'm helping in the church and, and, and thank God for our volunteers that make this church click without it. You know, everybody on this worship platform is a volunteer. They're here Wednesday night practicing 
so that we can have a good worship experience and that God can use them for their gifts and their glory. Not paid, volunteer. Everybody in the nursery, volunteer. God bless them. And so what we have to realize is, God, what part of the wall are you using me? God, is, is there something inside me that you need to break my individual? Have I become more of a consumer or am I a giver? Those are the things we need to ask ourselves. So we need help in uh, the nursery. We need, we need help in our, just in our children's ministries on Sunday morning. Amy Eliason runs our, our junior uh, children's church, does a great job in doing it for like, like forever, for like 13, 14 years, just as faithfully does it every week. We need volunteers that would help once a month in there just to watch our, our, our three to five-year-olds. There's the nursery. There's Pastor Jim. The reason why he's not here is because he's leading our children's church. He, he, he's leading those, those wonderful children at that wonderful age. Six, seven, eight-year-old. God bless him, you know. He needs parents to come in and just, just help him, just to, just to watch over the kids and make sure all the kids stay safe. He needs, he needs help with that. I could help there. We need someone, we need sound engineers, people that know how to run, that are really qualified in running computers, running programs such as the Mac program. Some use, yeah, I'm real proficient in that. We need your help there to help run all the programs that you see up here on Sunday morning so we don't have the same people doing it over and over and over again. We've got a wonderful food ministry that Carrie Whitman is doing a wonderful job organizing for us that just provides food for people in need that have, have gone through the hospital or have got injured or um, just something happened in our church yesterday and uh, um, our food ministry was right on top of it, helping this, helping this family that was in need for... And, uh, I had nothing to do with it. They're all on top of it, just how it works. And some of you could be part of that group of, hey, I can fix a meal. I can do that. And, and maybe the Lord wants you to, to, to just do that. I know some of you just, just wonderful church. Some of you just say, Pastor, I make greeting cards. I want to make some greeting cards just to give to people that you can give thanks to or people that are sick. And they make these greeting cards and give it to us so that we can give to people and bless them and tell them we're praying for them and and encouraging them and thanking them. Little things like that that you probably never thought God could use you in. And so here's our step today. Here, here's the step that I want you to take today. God, how do you want to use me? And, and just here's the step I want you to take today. Allow God to first do that supernatural work in your heart, saying, God, I'm just available I want to be available for you to speak to me. And I want you to take that step and say, God, use me. Just use me for your church. You know, I know for me, when I was a teenager, you know, sometimes we just think, well, God only uses the worship people and, the, the, you know, the stage presence type people. And that's what I used to think when... I first came into the church and I first became a born-again Christian. I was like, well, what can I do? I can't sing. I can't play the kazoo. I can't do nothing. I, what am I going to do? And I remember my youth pastor said, Barton, you're a pretty good encourager. Why don't you be a greeter at the door? And so when new kids come in, I want you to sit with them. I was like, well, that was a concept. Okay. And I did that. And I loved doing it. So when a new kid came into the youth group, I said, hey, you can sit with me. And I'll show you the ropes because someone did that with me when I first came and it really made me feel good. Some of you can be greeters and ushers. Let God use you in that way. Amen? I think some of you, I think here's the misconception. 
Just because the job's getting done, sometimes we sit back and say, well, that job's getting done, so I guess they don't need me. Not necessarily, right? So I'm presenting the need to you now that these are things that you can allow the Lord to use you and to bless you, to help ultimately, not for ourselves, right, but ultimately to build God's kingdom. Amen? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Pastor Mike to come at this time. He's going he's to instruct you, instruct you once again on what you are to do with your cards today and just to, just to encourage us once again and to pray with us. And then after we do that, we will take communion as a whole as a community at the end of the service. Amen. Just to encourage you, don't let the work of God scare you away from the call of God. Okay? The work of God is the tough part. When they were rebuilding the wall and they had to pick up their shovels and move dung, <laughs> someone's probably looking at them, who signed me up for this, you know? But uh, the work needs to get done. So a um, couple things. Maybe you, uh, a couple ways you can respond. Uh, and maybe you're a ministry worker now, and you need to just say, God, I'm committing this to you. Don't ever make me, don't ever allow me to take this for myself and to take ownership um, for my own work, but to give you credit that I want to have ownership to see the church grow and to see our community be reached. And so maybe you're just a ministry worker and you want to say, God, I'm going to recommit this time, this effort that I'm doing to you. I want you to be served. I want you to be glorified. I want you to be honored. That's one way you can respond. Um, Another way you can respond is maybe you've been looking for a way to serve. And you're like, I don't know how to serve. I don't know where the, the need might be. I don't know what my talents and my gifts could offer. Um, maybe you can just sign your name and say, you're just saying to God, I'm open. If that's you and you're not sure where you might want to serve, can you contact me this week? Can you say, hey, I part a card up and I don't know where I can fit in, but I would love to fit in somewhere. I don't have a whole, you know, maybe, you know, you're like Pastor Brian, you can't sing a lick, you can't play an instrument, but you have something you can offer. Let's, let's figure out a way to get you plugged in. You're part of the body of Christ. We want to find a way to get you plugged in um, at the, you know, whatever limitations you may have time-wise and schedule-wise. That's cool. Maybe that's what you want to do. So that's how I want you to respond. If you're a ministry leader, come up and just say, I'm dedicating my time back to you. I'm not taking credit for this. I want you to be glorified. And it's just a humbling act for us as ministry leaders. If you're not and you want to serve, bring your card up and you're just signing your name. Just sign your name on it. Bring it up and you're just illustrating, God, I'm making myself available to serve in some capacity, whatever that looks like. Major, minor, doesn't matter. Sound good? Let's pray. And then as we sing this last song, you guys can begin to uh, bring your cards up. You can stay seated if you want to write anything, but mainly just your name and, and bring it up. And we'll sing and praise God and, and thank him for his gift of Jesus and that he's the one we're ultimately serving. Heavenly Father, as we sit here and um, we consider what it is you might be calling us to do, God, help us to be bold in our response. Help us to, uh, to truly understand that we shouldn't be scared away by the cost, the sacrifice that it might give to our lives to serve you in a way that you might be calling us to do. Maybe there's something that doesn't even exist in this church yet, but you, you're going to put it on the hearts of your people to say, this is a need that I see in this community, and I want to take a major role in seeing this come to fruition. God, put that in the hearts of your people right now. Help us to serve our community the best way we know how, and you're the only one that can really give it to us to reveal it how that should look. So we give you our time. We give you um, our lives. Move in us. In Jesus' name, amen. When you're ready and you want to stand and bring your card up, do that, and then you can go back and sit and worship. I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest, and without you, I fall apart, 
You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Grace is more, where grace is found, is where you are, where you are, Lord, I am free, holiness is Christ in me, it's where you comes my way And when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay When I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay to come at this time and we're going to pray let me we're going to we're going to seal this time by taking communion as a church because really that's what it's about it's all about christ right it's all for his glory and when we take communion here together what we're saying is we're coming together under the precious blood of jesus christ saying jesus you saved me and you saved me for a reason and it's it's not just for my interest but ultimately for the interest of christ and so let me just encourage you, as you've taken this step, and I appreciate you taking this step, remember, 
Some of you may say, you know, I've never gotten small, involved in a small group because I'm just nervous about people. Let me just encourage you, get involved in a small group. We've got so many small groups at our church that you can be a part of and, and that God can use you for His glory. So don't, just allow God just to be, to work in your heart, to be proactive because tomorrow morning you're going to wake up and we can get, easily get back into our same routine. But allow God to use you. So I'm going to pray for you just before we hand communion to you today. and Just wait to the end and we'll take it together as a church. But let me pray for you. And uh, if, if, if you're part of the family of God and you've received Christ as your Savior, by all means, you can participate in communion. You don't have to be a member of our church. You just have to be a member of God's family. Uh, if you've not received Christ as your Savior and come to that saving knowledge and that profession of faith, I'm going to pray right now. And you can just come to the Lord. And in an instant, He can forgive and heal you of all your sin. And that's the wonderful thing about coming to Christ and allowing Him to forgive you of your sin. And so we want God just to cleanse us today so that, that we will be set apart to be used for God's purposes. And God is not done with living word. God wants to do a great thing through our church. And He's going to do it through us when we avail ourselves to Him to ultimately build His kingdom. So Lord, we uh, bow our hearts and we avail ourselves to You today. God, as we recognize through communion that Jesus literally gave his life for us. He shed his blood for us. Because, Lord, he knew that it was only through this that, he, that the church would be united under, under his mighty power and his mighty hand. So we pray that you would cleanse us, that we would be reminded of the great sacrifice you made for us. Jesus, you were perfect, but the sacrifice was for us because we were imperfect and we needed a Savior to forgive us. So I pray for every person. God, as we open up our hearts to you, that you would forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That, God, it's only through the precious blood of Jesus Christ that we can be made right. And it's only through your grace that we can find mercy and forgiveness. So we ask for that today as you cleanse us and as you heal us and as we take communion together. We bless your name. And I just thank you for this body of believers. I thank you for living word and what you're doing through this church, God. We just give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Just wait till the end as you receive. Ushers, go ahead and take communion. Just, just worship before the Lord as you receive communion. God bless you.
Lord, we come before you today. And Lord, as we hold these elements in our hands today, we recognize what a great God you are. Thank you that you've given us everything we need to find salvation. You've given us everything we need to find peace in our lives from the destruction that sin brings. And so, Lord, we thank you for these elements and what they represent and symbolize. So on our hand, we hold the bread that symbolizes the body of Christ. We believe that he is the bread of life. That in Christ, we hunger no more. We thank you, Jesus, for the brokenness that comes through your body. That you were broken for us. You were crushed for our iniquities. And by your stripes, we can find healing today. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake of the bread together. Amen. And Lord, we hold this cup in our hand, realizing that your word says without the shedding of blood, without a sacrifice to appease a holy God, we could never find forgiveness for our sins. And for that, we are so grateful that through the remembrance of communion, through this last supper, Jesus, you gave your blood for us. And this cup symbolizes your shed blood that we ultimately can find forgiveness through your death. And so, Lord, for that, we are grateful. We are so grateful for what you've done for us. So, Lord, I pray that you would bind this church together, Lord, with cords that could not easily be broken that, God, we would be here as a church that would desire not to take, 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 but to ultimately give, to serve you, serve each other, that the name of Christ is glorified ultimately. And that through that, we're going to see unity. The fruit of that will be unity within this body. And that's what we're praying for, God, that Christ is glorified, that this community would see living word as something different, a community of people that love each other, that desire to do the will of God, so we pray for our community, God, that you would touch it and reach it. And that, God, through our efforts for you, Lord, we would see great and mighty things happen in our midst. So we thank you, God, for allowing us to be part of your kingdom building. And we give you the glory. We, we thank you for this cup and what it symbolizes. In Jesus' precious name, we ask these things. Amen. Let's partake of the cup together. Amen. Amen. Let's just give the Lord just praise this morning, worthy of it. Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a wonderful day. You're dismissed. Amen.